What up? Cautiously optimistic, my favorite podcast of all time. Today I miss my workout, but it worked out. Now I'm missing work now, but it worked out. Welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic. Uh, this is episode 74. You know, this is a, the closer episode. Not that we're closing anything down, except for we always finish strong. Like the closer Kenley Jansen. Episode 74. Makes sense, doesn't it, Nick? Episode 74. Uh, we are opening this episode, but as you said, we always close it down because we are the closers here. We have a wonderful podcast situation, and Sully actually was a reliever in college. Sully mm-hmm. now is over there in Wyoming, calling in like he's been doing for the past few episodes, and we couldn't be happier to have him join us this morning. Sully, how are you doing? Oh, things are good out here. You know, there is a Thunderbird show going outside. You know, it's, it's as I mentioned, Cheyenne Frontier Days out here, the biggest 10 days of the year in Wyoming. So they go all out, and they got, you know, uh, the military doing their thing out there. So it's exciting. But, yeah, like you said, Kenley Jen- and Jansen episode, you can't, uh, you can't not love it. One of my favorite players on the Dodgers, if not my favorite, um, shut it down, big fella. Shut it down. California love, California love, whatever you want to call it. It's always good to be back on the pot. We like to hear that, Sully. We like to hear that. And another uh, big news this week: it is Shark Week, and I, I enjoy Shark Week. You guys, I haven't actually watched any shark movies yet. Um, Jaws is a great movie, but uh, Shaq is actually hosting uh, Shark Week this week from Discovery Channel. I don't know if you guys saw the video. Big Shaq uh, faced his fears, and I know a lot of people didn't. A lot of people feared Shaq when he played, and Shaq didn't really have too many fears. But he went into the water in a cage with some sharks. Rob Riggle was there shooting chum into the water around Shaq's cage and a small shark actually got into the cage and uh, I don't know if you guys saw that video but it was quite entertaining. I know I did not see that video. I'm like I'm not a a shark week hater like it's fine but it's it's very blown out of the water like it's good because of Step Brothers. Right? Yeah. Like like nobody watched that really in, in general like sure it was a fun week and it is a fun week but I haven't, even, I haven't even known. I didn't know it was coming up. I haven't even known when it was for the last, like, four years. I think it's just overblown. Um, I do like the Shaq's hosting it. I think that's a nice little piece. Um, I think that's fun. But, uh, no, I should. I do want to see that video, though, of uh, a shark and Shaq. Yeah, it's it's good. I You know, I would say it maybe has gained popularity, but this is also the 30th Shark Week, so they got to be doing something right to keep it along this long. Wow. I saw one that like Ronda Rousey where they're talking about her like fighting a shark or something in the water. I just enjoy everything like that. Hopefully there's some kind of, you know, uh, like appreciation for it throughout the nation. I think Jesse, you mentioned Step Brothers was a big part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan. I enjoy watching it almost as much as I like, you know, the Sharknado movies, which I know aren't necessarily connected with Shark Week, but I feel like they all go hand in hand like that. So it's a good time. I just know it's every summer. I'm with you, Jess. I can't ever lock down those dates. It's not on my calendar or anything. Yeah, it's sometime in July, and you mentioned Sharknado, a classic film there, Sully. I'm glad you brought it to our attention. I don't know if you guys are interested in watching The Meg that's coming out at some point soon. I don't know if it's already out, but uh, that's a movie I'm definitely trying to see. I, I love those movies. They're so funny because they're so bad, and I, I just can't get over how stupid they are, and it's ridiculous, and I love every minute of it. That movie, The Meg, looks so terrible. <laughs> like I was, I was, I saw it, like the previews in theaters, and I was just like. This is not a real movie like that's being like Jason Statham. Like, what are you doing going in that movie? But see, that's the point. He's gonna shark I feel like if it's and, and if it's Statham too, he's he has to wrestle that shark, right? Like he's got to be the one to take it down because you're Jason Statham. He can't take down that thing. That thing is huge. 
Well, we're, you know, we're going to see him try, and that's, that's the entertaining <laughs> part about it. So, And that, that's just kind of what Shark Week is. You know, these movies, Sharknado, uh, The Meg, they're just ridiculous, but that's, what, that's the beauty of it, and uh, I'm all here for it. And um, I do believe we have some other breaking news. Uh, our connection might be breaking up a little bit, though. Uh, Sully, did you want to tell us what that might be? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been so much fun out here. Um, but, you know, it's always good to have more fun in new places, you know? And so, with that, i just like to let you guys know that... Well, that is very big news, Sully, and we couldn't be more excited. Um, I'm sure our, our audience is also very excited for you there. And, you know, big things are happening on the podcast, not just that, but we are proud to announce the return of Lucky Boy as a sponsor to Cautiously Optimistic. They have renewed a partnership, a beautiful partnership we had, beautiful. and it's going to continue into the future. Uh, we couldn't be more excited. I know, Jesse, you must be extremely excited. I am super pumped. Uh, I've been doing my weekly post-podcast Lucky Boy trips, as always, and uh, one of the cool things is if you don't want to go to Lucky Boy, they also cater. They don't, like, deliver personal burritos, but over $300, they will deliver catering orders, and they have their catering hours are Monday through Sunday. Yes, that's right, every single day, 6.30 a.m. to 7 p.m., so they're really doing it big over there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, as I've always mentioned, and, and we're happy to have them back. I miss them dearly, probably more than I miss you guys because you guys are bums. But makes sense. If you ever need to get catering, all you got to do is text or call 626-437-3167. Again, that's 626-437-3167. And of course, if you need more info on Lucky Boy or the Lucky Girl herself, Christina Garagius, check out episode 62 of the pod and get all that information you need. We've had all the pomp and circumstance, we've had all the fuss and feathers, but it's time, it's time for Dodger Baseball! And it's now been about a week since the Dodgers acquired Manny Machado. They are currently playing in Philadelphia um, in the middle of a long road trip, and they've had mixed results. The first weekend of the series was in Milwaukee, where they won two of three. Manny Machado had a nice little weekend there. No home runs yet, just a lot of hard-hit singles, and we can't complain about that. Um, of course, as we talked about in our last podcast, uh, Josh Hader of the Brewers uh, returned to his home stadium and weirdly got a standing ovation despite um, his disgusting tweets from last week. And I think that you know caused a lot of waves in the sports world and we can probably talk about that but overall the Dodgers are doing well Chase Ellie returns to Philadelphia um, Kike Hernandez pitches a lot of things have happened in these past six days for the Dodgers I love seeing Kike pitch out there that was that was so fun to watch that video I mean he yeah. he does it all he does it all the the two pump on the mound there two pumps everyone knows the rules uh, that was magic if you haven't seen that gift that will be one of my favorites for years to come um, you know, a lot of people are giving Dave Roberts and just the Dodgers flack for putting in Kike in the 16th there, you know, saying like, you know, we had, you know, obviously Rich Hill was still available and things like that, but I really have no issue with that. You know, it's game 101, I believe. Um, you're in the 16th inning. You play literally in 10 hours. Sometimes, you know, you got to kind of just toss someone out there and hope for the best. So. No issues with that. Obviously, it's a game you want to win, but you have a chance to win as they're playing right now. It's tied 1-1. Chance to win another series on the road against the division leader, uh, as they did the series before. So there is no issue with that in my mind. And 
And like you guys mentioned as well, Utley, it, rarely, you know, you see so much respect from a, a, I guess, a fan base for a player coming back. Usually it's like the first game, you get that standing on first AB. Obviously he got that. But even last night when the pinch hitting situation arose, uh, they were all chanting for Chase's name. You know, that doesn't happen very often. So it just shows the respect there that they have for him. Um, it's probably on par with the hatred that Mets fans have for Chase Utley. <laughs> Yeah, it was good to see the Philly fans give Chase Utley, you know, the respect he's due. Of course, we were always, you know, not the biggest fans of Philadelphia when Chase Utley was on the team. But, you know, we can let bygones be bygones and ha let Chase have a good time this this week in Philadelphia. And you, you mentioned Kike Hernandez, uh, throw him out there and see what happens. It was it was entertaining to see, but maybe he was a bit tired. He, he was basically Chase Utley's personal photographer throughout the entire series, uh, documenting every uh, footstep that Chase took and so maybe he was got a little winded after doing that then had to go on the mound and you know gave up the bomb there but uh, Kike should also maybe look at uh, Hernan Perez of the Brewers who pitched two scoreless against the Dodgers on Sunday I, I think yeah. yeah no you're right it's a uh, I think going back to also as well Kike personal photographer making him tired uh, all of us working in media maybe he just got a little taste of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis you know so that's good and I always, you know, people always talk about how hard athletes have and people don't understand that. Well, uh, maybe think about the other side. It's hard to take Facebook Live and Instagram videos all day like that, so. Definitely. Very tough. And he's, he's double duty. I mean, he's his son as well, as we've all know, uh, come to understand that Kike is Utley's son. I think one of the, the underrated parts actually about the whole Chase Utley situation was that it's Philadelphia, not only any sports town. Like, Philly hates everyone. So it's like yep. for him to get all that respect in Philly, too, I think uh, speaks volumes uh, to, to what he is. And I want to go back to Manny Machado for a second. Another uh, thing that I love, I tweeted about it as well, but the fact that Manny Machado is wearing eight makes me so happy. And that he said it's for Kobe, essentially. Um, that's just, and it's an eight, not 20. Well, he can't wear 24. Can he? Is 24 retired? I think 24 might be retired. It is, yeah. So eight is beautiful. Many yeah, pro Kobe. Obviously, being a big LeBron fan, this is a big time uh, for him to come through. Um, the number 24 is not retired on the Dodgers. Hmm. What is 20? There's 20 and 32 are the only two in that line. Don Sutton was 20, Sandy Kovac 32. Huh. Either. Um, yeah, you got to think that him being in Los Angeles, him loving Kobe and all this stuff, obviously loving LeBron as well, reaching out to LeBron already, hoping that he comes to the Dodgers games. Um, that is a very good sign for Manny being retained to a, a certain degree. The Dodgers want to do that. Um, and, you know, things really seem to be breaking this way with, with Turner going to the DL for a bit. Manny's able to play third. I think the position he should be playing, as we talked about last week. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been nothing but a success so far. Obviously, a small little you know, trial period there, six games only in the sixth game right now. But um, if he continues to hit at this pace and, you know, continues to be the team guy that he seems to be doing, then there is going to be a lot of success, hopefully, in October for the Dodgers team. Yeah, definitely a good decision by Manny to endear himself quickly to the LA fans with the number eight. Um, we had talked about this a little bit on the past podcast, I believe, and also on Twitter, but Manny's hairstyle has been getting you know mixed reviews um, amongst, uh, amongst Dodger fans. And I, I personally don't mind his hairstyle because as long as he can hit and help the Dodgers win, that's all that matters to me. But I, I want to know what you guys think. Um. Well, I'll be the first to say I'm a fan. You know, I you know I was the one who tossed that question with Lesby Frank, Frank Pod, um, asked him about it, and also just I can't deny it. I got a haircut the other day, and my hair kind of is in a similar shape to Manny's. I'll take my hat off here so we can go on some video. Almost got that undercut going. You know, not necessarily what I wanted, but now that Manny's doing it in LA, 
uh, I think we all got to get on board. So, you know, the mullet may be nice, just, but I think it may be time to step up for that undercut. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if we are the best podcast to be talking about other people's hairstyles. Um, at least I'm not probably the best person seeing as I had a mullet for 10 months. And as you guys see on this video, my hair is actually a different color than it uh, has been in the past. We got a light pink rose quartz thing going on. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm going to rip on somebody else's hairstyle, then I got to be ready to take it as well. Um, and I think mine is great. So I'm gonna go ahead and say, Manny, do you, as long as you're hitting, you know? Yeah, we, we, yeah. we love to see the new hairstyle there, Jesse. And, uh, you know, it actually went through a multitude of colors on the way to this final destination. You oh, had yeah. the Guy Fieri look there over the weekend before the red got in there. And uh, we, we're happy for you. Just take us through the, the thought process of the decision to, you know, make this move. Well, yeah, yeah. As you guys know, I had been thinking about um, doing something new with my hair. I was, I was ready for a little bit of a switch up and, uh, got the text saying, would you be down to do a color? And I said, yeah, yeah, let's have some fun. You know, I don't want to do like a neon green, but you know, something a little more subtle. Um, and we kind of settled on this color and it, it, it's worked out well. We, we had the, the Guy Fieri bleach um, and then we had, uh, they took the yellow out. So it was actually like a cool, almost like copper color, which was fun. Um, but then they did the, the, this pink right here it was fun. We had friend of the pod and family of the pod. Archie was there with me uh, getting it done. So uh, it, was, it was just a good day overall. Yeah, I think it's a big move there. Obviously, you know, I think more moves to be made. And, you know, just to tie in everything we talked about in the episode here, Guy, T.A., he uh, has his own show on Shark Week this week called, uh, I don't even know the name, but I know he's, like, feeding sharks a bunch of buffet stuff. So um, <laughs> it all comes when we get it there, not to get too far away from baseball. But. <laughs> Sounds about right. Crazy hairstyles, and you got to embrace it. You got to have the flow, you know, the mullet, the mustache, whatever it may be. Uh, it's been around the game for a long, long time. Yeah, and we noticed the colors. You couldn't get too far away from those USC colors, which is understandable, but that's Never. fine. Um, and similarly, uh, Zach Britton could not get too far away from the AL East. He was traded to the New York Yankees from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he was rumored to be in talks, maybe coming to the Dodgers uh, among some other teams there. And, you know, as we've talked about, the Dodgers do need some relief help potentially as they head into the second half here. Uh, they will not get Zach Britton services. He will be heading to probably one of the best bullpens already in the majors with the Yankees there. And this kind of begs the question for the Dodger fans, do the Dodgers need to make an additional move to shore up that bullpen? The bullpen pitched, pitched pretty well uh, the other night in Philadelphia in that 16-inning game. Unfortunately, you know, we, we had that ended with Kike. But do the Dodgers need to do something here? Um, I, you know, to me, first off, just starting with Britain, I think a lot of people are like saying he's like, you know, the running joke on, on Dodgers Twitter is that he's like not as good as Scott Alexander or whatever. Um, and you know, he, I think he gave up like three or four runs his, you know, I mean, a few runs his first two outings. And then in the last month has given up zero runs. Um, so that dude is still, I think probably the best setup man in the game. And there's not an argument about that in my mind. So would have been great to get him. I think the asking price is too much for the Dodgers after what they gave up, um, you know, with the whole Manny Machado trade. I don't think that they would probably have to have given up like Verdugo or a uh, Gavin Lux, uh, you know, one of their high-end young prospects like that. Um, so I don't have a problem with them not making that move. But as you said, Nick, I think they do need to go out and get someone from the pen. Um, you know, the name that sticks out right now, now that Britain is off the market, is Kyle Bearclaw down in Miami because they're just so bad. Um, and, and hear me out on this, guys. You know, the, the way I think that the Dodgers need to approach this, in my mind, is to either tour, like trade Queen or Jacques because, you know, that is an easy piece to move. It's a, it's a, a piece that teams are going to want and they can retain their young talent because outfield is just so crowded right now. 
there's just, you know, someone's going to be the odd man out either way. So why not get something in return for that rather than just let them sit at the end of the roster or not even make that roster come play out time? I would, I would be fine with, uh, with Jock. I would not be fine with Puig. I, I personally, it, it is a personal thing. And, and I understand that. I just, I love him so much just as a, as a being. Um, but he's also a stud. Um, I understand. And, and like the fact that the outfield is, is super crowded. I get that. But would it be worse to trade Verdugo? I would, I, I'd probably rather keep Verdugo than Jock, but I'd be, I think either of those pieces, I mean, they're out, both outfielders, like either of those pieces are movable to me. Um, and if it's going to mean we're going to get one of those setup guys in return, yeah, I say go for it. But um, I don't know if it's a, I'd like to see it as the year goes on. I don't know if it's a 100% we need to do this if they're going to win the World Series. Like that is a 100% mandatory thing. I get that it 100% will help. Um, but I'd want to see how this goes for a little bit. Obviously, there's not that time because trade deadline's coming up. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I'm kind of there too in the term, in, in the sense of this isn't maybe a necessary move to get a high-end name. Uh, I, I kind of like what the Dodgers did, getting you know a guy like Dylan Floro from the Reds, who has pitched pretty well. I think he's only given up that one uh, home run to Justin Upton in the Angels series, but he pitched well. Again, I'm, I'm, I keep referencing this uh, Phillies game, the 16-inning game, because it was a good example of the bullpen there. I think he pitched uh, one in the third and struck at everybody he faced. He has a nasty slider, and he's, he's just a good guy to th- throw in there. And he wasn't a really well-known name. So if the Dodgers can maybe... Uh, get a guy like that without having to part with a big name of their own like Puig or Jock I think that's probably the more likely play and something I would expect the Dodgers front office to do because they always make shrewd smart moves like that um, so Britton yeah he's he was a former all-star a big name he would have cost a lot I don't think the Dodgers really needed to get a guy like that because as you said Sully Scott Alexander has been pitching well and he isn't too uh, his stats aren't that different from Britton in terms of uh, you know, I guess the, 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 the past you know I don't know two weeks or so and at the same at the same time, relief pitching happens to be very fluky. Um, you know, you don't want to give up too much for a relief guy who may just kind of flame out in a certain situation, or you may want to give up smaller pieces to get a less well-known guy who performs well, such as the Floro. So I do think they could use another arm in there, especially because they're, they're they keep mentioning Pedro Baez's name coming off an injury, and I don't know why they keep, as we've talked about, why, why they keep mentioning his name as an asset because he's just not one. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I just want to argue like, kind of against that point there. You know, you look at teams that have won the World Series over the last couple of years. Um, specifically, look at that Royals team in 2014. You know, they had four guys at the end of the pen that were throwing nine to six miles an hour or above and all had ERAs that were sub two. Um, and that is something that you just can never have enough of. You know, it literally shortens the game. You can get a lead in the first five innings and have a solid starting, like, you know, a performance from your, your guy on the mound. Um, it closes the gap to get to that ninth inning to Kenley, you know, and, and it's now you look at the Yankees right now, they have the ability to go, you know, from the sixth inning if they want to go Batansis, then they go Robertson in the seventh, another former closer eighth inning, you know, obviously now they have Britain and then you go Chapman in the ninth that is just a, it's a five inning game and obviously Yankees are in a different situation because they may have to play in that wild card game and that is you know, all hands on deck and they're going to either have to face a scrappy A's team most likely or they're going to face the Mariners and have to face Paxton, Big Maple there for a game, which is just not ideal. But for the Dodgers, the ability to go out and get a guy like that, you can never have too many of those. So if you think that they could have, you know, if they can go get out and get Bearclaw or someone of that caliber, I have no problem giving up Puig because that is going to be a bigger difference in my mind, especially the offense that they have now. You know, you almost, um, you can just think that, that they just need to get the first five innings, get a couple runs, 
And then if you look at it, like, you know, Kershaw through five has been fantastic. Maeda through five has been fantastic. Wood through five has been fantastic. Hill through five has been fantastic. Probably end up bump, like, even though he's an all-star, Stripling will probably end up in the pen in my mind. So to me, um, it, it is, I, you know, I know you like you said, you know, it's fluky and you can never really bank on it, but high-end relievers come through more than dudes like Dylan Floro, who I know is a great, you know, analytic pickup as was, you know, Tony Singrani or, you know, the, the wide variety of the Dodgers guys that they brought in, but you can go out and get guys that are proven over the last couple of years to come in when it counts. Um, I just think that is an option that needs to be taken advantage of. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Shortening the game is a proven strategy to win a World Series, but I want to point out last year's Astros didn't really have anybody in that bullpen, and they were still able to get it done. Of course, they did have a historical offense, but the Dodgers' offense is also pretty good. I'm just saying, you know, the Astros were able to win without really a trusted arm in that pen. So. You know, it can go either way, but I do hear you. I, th I, I do agree with you. I think uh, getting another arm in there would at least give the Dodgers peace of mind and at least give, you know, the starters an, a little extra breather here in October. Yeah, and the Astros really had an elite offense there. And, you know, they had arguably the best starting pitching staff in the game, too. And that is another way to go about it. But I just don't think the Dodgers, you know, they can't go out and get a Garrett Cole and a Justin Verlander at the trade deadline this year. But they can go and get a high-end reliever. And that just makes all the difference in my mind. But, yeah, it... They, you know, there's not one way to win a World Series, but I think that's certainly the way that this team is set up right now to go out and be successful. Yeah, definitely. And moving around in uh, the major leagues here, something that was brought to our attention recently uh, down in Miami, you mentioned Kyle Baraclaw. Uh, Baraclaw, how do you say it? Baraclaw? Baraclaw. I know it's spelled like Baraclaw, but it's just Baraclaw. Baraclaw. I like Baraclaw. That. That's a much easier way to remember great, it. Great, great um, name. His teammate, uh, I saw, was wearing a chain there, uh, the Marlins chain, uh, kind of like the uh, Miami turnover chain. And Sully, I think you may know, may know more about that. Yeah, you know, it, it's the Marlins MVP chain. And from the research I've done, essentially, it's like, you know, their, their day of, uh, you know, basically giving back to whoever is a player of the game, um, you know, much like the VU. So they're taking, you know, right in the same city there, doing the same thing. Um, and it's, it also is, a, you know, uh, it's just a great opportunity to remember the past there. You know, I think it has to do with Jose Fernandez as well. Um, and I think that is just, a, it's in remembrance of him to honor a guy, you know, who they all loved. So it's just a big deal for them down there. And it also is just swaggy. I love this part of baseball, you know. We saw in the All-Star game, you saw Machado's chain, you saw everyone's chain. Like, having a little flash out there is never a bad thing. Cespedes broke his diamonds on the infield earlier this year. That is all magic to me, you know. Only, you know, old white males are really upset about that kind of stuff, and, and I'm all here for every single part of this part of the game. My only beef with this is that, it, A, it's not like, a, the fact that it's in Miami, that's good. I don't want any I don't want any other cities doing this, first of all, because it started with the turnover chain, and that was glorious. My only issue with this chain is it's not flashy enough. The rope mm -hmm. is too small. Like I get you get the you have the logo and the logo looks good. Um, give me a give me a full gold rope. This is like a little tiny like the actual like necklace part of the chain is super small. Like we gotta we gotta stunt a little harder than that with this chain. Um, you know I like the idea simply because it's in Miami and that's. But if we're gonna go if, with this whole chain situation, and you're in Miami, you gotta step it up. You gotta really learn from the turnover chain, which was huge, and and go all out with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the chain there itself. You know, the actual rope, uh, it could be bigger. You know, maybe, you know, a double lock-in right there. It would look nice. But I like it. You know, I think, you just you, you had a good point there. Not everyone can do the chain 
but everyone can do something similar to this. Not everyone has to do it, but like every city, you know, can have some kind of representative thing. You know, uh, the chain is so Miami, but you go up. Let's say you go to Milwaukee. There, you know, they would have no business wearing a chain, but if they wanted to do some kind of cheese head or something like that, I'd have no issue with that. You know, or you go to the, you know, the Giants. They could give out some hipster glasses every game for whoever their best player is, or just have you know Kelby Tomlinson give his glasses to whoever is the best player in that game. I I, I get what you're saying. I don't I don't know if I think that every city should do something though, because then it almost feels forced. Like if it comes about naturally, sure. I don't want everybody to see like the the Marlins chain or like in college football last year when everyone saw the turnover chain, then everybody else started doing their own thing. Like there was like a. There's like a third down like garbage can somewhere and I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like stop and, forcing it, just let it go if it comes. Like, you know, the, the Georgia defense had that like uh, spiked shoulder pad. I thought that was cool. There, yeah. like you said though, there's good and bad ways to go about it, and not everyone has to do it. But yeah. I like it anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there could be regional little tidbits to have in each city and each location. And speaking of that, I'm gonna go into a transition here that might be one of my craziest transitions. I don't know if you guys will appreciate it. But I think Je- I think Jesse might, because you mentioned down in Miami what they have the chain and that's kind of like known for what's there in Miami. Um, if you know back in the day, I'm talking way back in the day, like the 1400s. I know I was gonna I was gonna mention it if <laughs> you were gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> back in the 1400s, you know, Florida was known to have a fountain of youth, and there was an explorer that came over by the name of uh, Juan Ponce de Leon to yes. look for it, and that leads us nicely into our discussion of a Cardinals rookie by the last name of Ponce de Leon who was pulled out of his no-hitter in the seventh inning just like Ross Stripling was two years ago. And I just want to say that I think whenever this happens, it's very sad because this is his first start in the majors. He's about to make history, and he pulled that away from him. Yeah, I know the injury concerns. I don't want to hear it. Let the guy finish the no-hitter. Well, especially when you got who I don't know his first name. I'm just going to call him Juan um, Ponce de Leon. <laughs> he, he probably found the fountain of youth. That's probably Juan Ponce de Leon. And who cares about his arm strength and going forward? He, he's going to be young forever, and he's going to be fine. Don't pull him because we're worried about how his arm's going to be with his pitch count in his first ever start or whatever it is. Let him drink from the fountain of youth. <laughs> Yeah, so his first name is Daniel, just to clarify that, Jesse. I didn't, I'm just going to say this right now, didn't even hear you. <laughs> Either way, so, you know, his injury is a very specific one. It's not an arm injury. He was obviously hit in the head by a comebacker and had to have brain surgery 14 months ago. Did not know so, that. Yeah, he had nothing to do. That makes the story even more special in that sense. You know, that's this is his first start in the major leagues since that appearance. Um, he's a California guy. He's from La Mirada, so shout out to him as well. But, yeah, I think you got to let him go out there, and especially to demote him after the game. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a similar thing the Dodgers do where they bounce pitchers back and forth, uh, or just a league-wide thing. Um, but, yeah, and Nick, for, as far as your transition goes, uh, I saw that on Twitter, too. You know, a lot of people, first time Ponce de Leon is trending since 1492, uh, things like that. Obviously, Twitter has been a thing for ages just on different platforms in the Internet. You know, we all know that. I'm, yeah. so, I'm very, I'm very upset to learn that that uh, joke was made before I did it, and but that's okay. Uh, Jesse, I, I think you may have done a book report or some sort of report in fourth grade on Juan Ponce de Leon. Yeah, it was, it was during our time at, in school together. Uh, I don't remember what what year it was. It might have been fourth, um, but I did do a whole thing on Florida and the Fountain of Youth and Juan Ponce de Leon. So when I saw this today, um, I, I did get very excited. What? Uh, do you remember anything from your report? What was the biggest takeaway you had? 
that his name was Juan Ponce de Leon, and he was looking for the Fountain of Youth in the 1400s, and uh, he never found it. Until now, I believe he probably did, because I know you're saying his name is quote-unquote Daniel, but uh, I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, people have not confirmed that this is the same Ponce de Leon, or denied, so um, I don't know, we'll leave that up to the fans and listeners there. Is this man, did he find the Fountain of Youth and just, has he been chilling and now he's decided, well, I think I'm just going to play baseball at this point. And then obviously to wear, you know, a comebacker and come back from that is pretty tough to do as well. So it's kind of things are adding up in my mind there. That's 100% what I'm believing now is that this is Juan Ponce de Leon. And while it was believed that he never found it um, and passed away on his quest still trying to find it. To me, it sounds like a whole maybe fake the death situation. So he kind of wanted to keep it for himself. And then obviously you can't come back and still have the same first name. So he had to change it. Yeah. Um, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, especially, you know, as you said, so like taking a comebacker off the head, not dying. I think that's pretty much confirmation there. Yeah, I think so. It can't be denied. And actually, I may have played against this guy in college. I'm doing a little research as you guys talk. He was our same, sorry, not in college, in high school. Because I played La Mirada and he's our same graduating class. So I really should have taken advantage of that and seen if he was truly the Juan Ponce de Leon from history's past, but we'll never know. Well, we might, yeah, we'll never know, but if you did play on the same field with him, maybe there was some chance he kind of like rubbed elbows and maybe got some of that uh, youthful exuberance that will keep you going forever. So we'll see. And just like this podcast is going, we will see. And uh, we are very happy to learn about Ponce de Leon reincarnated. All right, boys, something we haven't talked about in several months is nearing a return as we approach August here. The NFL is coming back. Training camp has started, and a lot of big moves have already happened, especially with the Rams here in L.A. we got to talk about it. Todd Gurley has just re-upped for a four-year, $60 million extension, I believe the biggest extension or contract ever given to a running back. Very rare in these day, in this day and age with you know injuries. Forty five guaranteed. Forty five guaranteed, and this comes after the Rams signed Brandon Cooks to a five year, eighty million dollar extension before he even played it down with them. Of course, they know what he can do on the football field. That's why they signed him or traded for him to come over here. But uh, the Rams are making some big moves here as uh, training camp approaches. They have big aspirations for this season. They do. The the I th- I think these are both pretty much deserved. Cooks maybe a little extra. Um, I mean, he, he's obviously very talented. Uh, we got to see what he's going to do. It's interesting to see that he got that deal without even playing it down for the Rams so far, but he does fit with them really well. Um, Gurley, that's a deserved contract as well. The the interesting part that everybody's been talking about now is that's pretty much the same contract Le'Veon's been looking for um, and not getting with Pittsburgh, and now it's pretty apparent that he's going to be leaving Pittsburgh after this year. I thought it was probably not going to happen that Le'Veon would get something like that, but now that Gurley did, I think Le'Veon Bell has all the rights to go ask for that from any other team that he wants, and he'll get it by, from someone. Yeah, football is the most messed up sport when it comes to contracts like this because they just are literally banking on you getting hurt, you know, and you're just never going to get your value unless you're like a quarterback or maybe a very elite wide receiver. But even now, you know, we've got Julio Jones asking for another extension and more guaranteed money. Um, and I don't blame these guys at all. You know, they are trying to make as much money as they can because the NFL careers have proven to be the shortest one of any professional sport. Yeah. 
but yeah, girlies certainly deserve four year, 45 million. Good to see that LA is trying to set a trend there and actually paying these dudes what they're deserving. Um, you know, based on how much money they bring in for the team, he's really the face of the franchise besides Goff and, and had been before because he's been there for, you know, a year or two. So before yeah. that, um, cooks, like you said, just that's interesting. I could have seen an extension coming maybe after like six games, you know, let's yeah. say he's having a great year so far. Um, but five-year 80 mil is, is pretty wild to, you know, not have even put on a uniform in an official game yet. So um, football is strange, but that's just kind of how it goes these days. And, uh, you know, you just got to pray you end up being a high-end quarterback because those are the only guys that are really getting paid or just go play baseball. That is also interesting, too, that they give Cooks this extension, they pay Gurley, but the whole Aaron Donald situation hasn't really been – Settled yeah, up or cleared up. So today that he's not going to be a training camp to start. You know, same thing they're going through last year. So that is a guy I would have paid probably before both of them because yeah. he's maybe the best defensive player in the league. So not the same. Gurley is probably right there too. He arguably could have been the MVP last year, or was the MVP last year. It's just a. It makes it makes no he, sense to pay Cooks before Aaron Donald to me. No, yeah, totally. That, that's what I'm saying. And it's just Donald is, is such a force. He can just change a game. Like Gurley, there's always things a lot. Of, he's really talented, but you need to have a line. You got to have, you know, McVay's offense is a big thing there. You can just put Donald in the game, and he's going to make a huge difference. And, like, there's not, like, interior linemen like that don't happen. Like, that. Yeah. He's, he's easily the best interior lineman in the NFL. And, like you said, maybe the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, so... The fact that they, I mean, it, it, it is very confusing to see the Cooks get thing get ha- or the Cooks thing happen, and then we've seen what Aaron Donald does, and not to pay him is is kind yeah. of boggling to me. True. Yeah, um, yeah. He had a similar sort of contract hold up last year, if I if I recall. Yes. And it's, yeah, it is interesting, um, especially because we've been talking about you know the the lifespan of a running back is so short in today's NFL and that's exactly why these guys don't get those deals and two years in a row Aaron Donald one of the best defensive players doesn't get this deal sees his teammate now a running back at that get a deal like that it has to feel kind of weird for him I'm not sure I'm I'm assuming that he's going to get paid here in the next couple of weeks or days because otherwise it would just be too weird I don't know if there's any other background uh, noise or stuff that we don't know about that's going on there um, if there is, that's not good because the Rams do have you know high hopes for the season, um, as do the Jets with their new quarterback Sam Darnold. If he ever uh, shows up to camp there, your boy uh, Jesse, what's going on with him? He'll report. Uh, this kind of stuff doesn't really worry me. I mean, he's he's, he's the best, uh, one of the best quarterbacks out of this draft. I'm gonna go ahead and say um, the. I'm interested to see what Baker does, but that's off the topic. Uh, yeah, no, I, I saw this. Doesn't worry me. Um, I mean, I understand not wanting to go report to Jets training camp as well. Um, you know, it's not the most exciting thing that a player is going to have to do. Um, but he'll, he'll report. I'm not worried about him. Uh, he adjusts quickly, and I don't think he was going to start right away anyway. So um, it's not like they're rushing him to be the week one starter and, and have to carry this franchise this year. Yeah, and it really is, you know, he hasn't signed the contract yet, but that, I guess, is expected in the next couple of hours. And Jets are an interesting situation in that sense because not only have McNown, they also got my guy Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so they have a lot of options this year. Obviously, Darnold is the guy going forward for them. That's who they want to be the franchise quarterback. But this year as much is more of a year, you know, Sam can can chill, try and do some surfing. I don't think the East Coast beaches are going to be as pleasing to him as Capistrano. Probably but, not, yeah. 
he's just gonna wear his flip flops around until it gets too cold, and then he'll probably still wear them, but he'll just have pants on. So socks, uh, maybe. He's got time to to figure it all out, um, and yeah, I wouldn't be worried either. Um, the one thing though, I think that you should be worried about is is hard knocks coming up because it, that is is a make or break thing for the NFL. There, it just shows everything going on. Uh, on your team, I don't know. If I was a team, I don't understand why anyone would ever sign up for this. Do they have an option? Do they have a choice? Yep. Yeah, they and do. You, and who is like, yeah, this is a good idea after watching the last three years? Well, you know, we talked about this a little bit when the announcement was made a few months ago, and we mentioned, well, I, I think I mentioned the reverse the reverse jinx here is what they're trying to do because the Browns really can't get much worse. They just signed Baker to the contract. They have high hopes for him. They're, I, I'm, expi- I'm excited to see a lot of Baker on Hard Knocks, and, um, you know, Whatever they want to do with their production and their training camp, it's up to the teams. But for the Browns, give them some exposure. This team needs some, and Baker's going to help with that. And like I said, they can't get much can't get much worse. So I'm all for it. I think honestly, I don't I, I don't see why. Like I, there are certain teams where I 100 percent see why you shouldn't do it. Um, but Hard Knocks, I was talking about this with somebody else recently. It's like you watch Hard Knocks and you become kind of a fan of the team. You know, no ma- pretty much no matter what team it is, like, you know, you, you start to see guys and you, you root for guys, and then next, next thing you know, the season happens and you're, you find yourself rooting for guys because you saw how they battled throughout training camp. So it's like, I think, I think Hard Knocks is a good thing in that sense. I love watching it, and then it's, yeah. a good, it's a good thing for these teams that, especially a team like the Browns, I think, it could only really help where they're going to sit here, unless it's just a train wreck in there and they just get, become the, the butt of yeah. more jokes. But. I mean, so Baker's going to be really interesting to see on there. The one thing I would be concerned about is like you have guys, you know, Miles Garrett is kind of not a trash talker, but he's very much so a free talker, and his distaste for you know Ben Roethlisberger's mid made clear. You got the whole Josh Gordon situation where he's going to, you know, he's still trying to get himself right, and I hope he does, but he won't be at camp to start, so that's going to be involved in the show as well. Um, Baker obviously is more of a trash talker. Um, if we could just set up Colin Coward at camp and let him talk to Breaker the entire time, I'd be for that. That um, is so much. But, I love that clip. Yeah. But uh, but I think as you mentioned, though, just you do kind of fall in love with that team, um, or in, at least the players to a certain degree more so when you watch the show. And, and like you know the the Browns with Baker and Tyrod, I like those guys. I like Josh Gordon, um, Jarvis Landry. There now they're yeah. going to be a lot better. And and one thing too, just to not get too off topic, but if you guys saw. Their uh, made-up intro of the office involving all their players. Yeah, that's absolutely hilarious too. So I, they're a very likable team. It just depends on which way the show goes. I think in my mind. Well, I think you said it right there, Sully. All those storylines that you mentioned, uh, that you said a likable team. I think those are all reasons why this should be good and it should be interesting and why it's going to be oh. good to watch. You know, so I'm excited for it. And it's it's definitely going to be good for us. Like we are yeah. not going to we don't lose ever in the situation. We get to watch the inside of a training yeah. camp. You can only probably heard the team negatively i mean i don't know if you gain fans because not many people that are watching the show don't already have a set team to root for mm. but maybe people make fun of the browns less and feel not as bad for them I, on the other hand i just think they're going to be a better team this year they actually have a pretty good roster yeah um and one thing i will say you know shout out friend of the pod uh sally J, uh dispose of bros camera you know he took our flip one time at the dodger game He's good friends with David Njoku, who's their backup tight end, who is quite a character as well, mm. funny dude. He's a beast. Uh, yeah, he's a beast as well, and, and uh, you know, a dope dude as far as style goes and all that stuff. So I think he will be uh, 
if I had one guy to watch on the show that people may, may not be looking out for yet, it would, it would be him. And I guess one last thing to close on this hard knock situation. This probably does not even really work, but something I'm thinking about is, say the Browns are on this hard knock show. They know that the world is watching them, and they know what their history is. Do you think there's any chance that being on the show is going to kind of instill more like a business-like approach or some sort of uh, you know intense focus as they head into this training camp, or do you think it's, they don't really care no. about the cameras? They don't. Uh, yeah, they don't care. I would think the one person maybe would be like Hugh Jackson, just because he's like you know one in thirty or whatever over the last two years. Uh, but I don't think he's going to change the style at all. I don't think any of them. You know, some people always play up to the camera more. Like you know, um, this just happened in season past. And then you also have guys like Jeff Fisher who just like literally could care less what's going on, <laughs> and if anything, are annoyed that the camera is there. Yeah, probably when the camera was there, and when the camera wasn't there, that's kind of why he uh, was fired and is one of the most losing coaches of all time. But uh, <laughs> he, oh, he didn't get there. I forgot. Yeah, He's tied cool. for it, right? I don't think he. Yeah, I think they they fired him nicely just before he didn't break. So he didn't break the record. Awful. Bad decision on the Rams half. Yeah, that's yeah. a big fact. But, uh, you know, enough Rams talk. You know, this is not just a Rams podcast. We have a uh, Skins fans and a Vikings fan. So I guess we'll, you know, go around the room here and ask what you guys are thinking. Early thoughts here as training camp approaches for your teams. Uh, Jesse, what do you think of the Skins so far? I mean, we haven't even reported to camp yet, so I'm not really... Uh... <laughs> well, early thoughts heading into camp. No, it'll be nice. I, I think what Alex Smith is going to do for our team is nice. Uh, uh, I'm super pumped, and this is going to run for Darius Geis. Um, so... That's going to be fun. I think Geis is the steal of the draft for us. Obviously, there was all the concerns about his character, and that's why he fell. Um, but he's been nothing but amazing off the field so far, uh, supporting all the Capitals games. No, sorry, supporting the Stanley Cup champion Capitals. Um, so, no, I think I think it's going to be a, a, a different look a little bit this year, obviously, with a new quarterback. And um, probably Geis wins that starting job is, is the goal. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun over in D.C. Yeah, and, and up, uh, you know, they're in Adena, Minnesota right now, taking care of business, don't you know? Kirk Cousins reported yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Vikings are set. They know what they got to do. They're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. That's why they just spent $80 million on a new franchise quarterback. I mean, that's really all that can be said. Um, it's good to get everyone back from injury. Dalvin Cook, obviously, coming back from the ACL will be big. Sandejo was out for the last game last year, so it's good to get everyone just healthy and fresh, and you know they're ready to roll. It's pretty much the same team. They just got to see if they can beat the Eagles and probably the resurgent uh, Rams now. Um, one last thing on the training camp note before we move on from the NFL. You know it's still very early, but did either of you guys see Bill Belichick field his first questions, uh, specifically the one about Malcolm Butler? I did not. I did not. Yeah. So they asked him first. You know he had his first meeting with the media, and they asked him again. Why didn't Butler play in the Super Bowl and he refused to answer and said we're going to talk about this year and all that stuff going forward? So I think that's still one of the major questions out there that I'd like to know because that is, you know, they got torched in the secondary and they sat their best defensive back the entire game. So it's a it's an interesting thing over there in New England, but that's kind of how they operate. And, and he'll also, never. If one team I'd ever like to see on Hard Knocks, it would be the Patriots because that would they would just there's no way they could hide everything, you know. Yeah. And, and and Belichick will never ever say why he didn't play Butler. So yeah, I'm hoping that Butler comes out and says it, but I, 
That would probably have to involve him being on a different team. So. Yeah, or like, you know, 20 years from now, like a 30 for 30 about that Super Bowl or something like that. We, pro- we probably won't hear it for a long time. But uh, good good job by that reporter to ask that question because I know we all, are all wondering it still, So as you are, Sully. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. I'll have to go check out that interview. Um, but, yeah, NFL is coming soon, and uh, we're, we're pumped about it. All fame game just a few days away, starting up. So one of the things is I know I'm very, very excited about about this year with the Lakers is the fact that we have a great nickname. We're the meme team. And uh, that just continued with the signing of Michael Beasley, um, who is a character. And uh, a character that I enjoy. He's the same guy that uh, I believe wore either one or two watches around his ankle. Um, so... That's the kind of guy that I want on my team. And I can't say personally that it came as a surprise. Him and LeBron are friends. Um, and he actually had a pretty nice season. He had 13-7 and seven last year with the 50% from the field, 40 from three. So um, I'm actually pretty pumped to have him on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, the entire summer we've been, we've been seeing these signings. First it was JaVale. We're like, all right, you know, he was, he was good in the finals. He, he's a clown, but he was good in the finals. And then we get Lance. He's like... All right, Lance. You know he can blow in LeBron's ear now. That, that's that's funny. Like, what what are we doing here? What are we doing? And then now Michael Beasley, kind of like the last guy who could fit into that role of the meme team. Of course, assigned to the team. And you know, I think he knows his role. Uh, in his introductory conference call, I think it was, he actually kind of threw shade at the media for throwing shade at him throughout his career and saying, you know, don't judge me. And similar guys like me, such as Nick Young, J.R. Smith, and those kind of dudes. And when he said that. Uh, Twitter blew up because when he mentioned J.R. Smith, it's like, don't judge J.R. Smith uh, for not knowing how to play basketball. Everyone was like, well, he did dribble the wrong way in the finals game and uh, cost our team a finals win and kind of just like threw that back in his face. So I thought that was pretty funny. But Michael Beasley, um, he's a veteran now, the former number two overall pick in 2008. Never really lived up to his expectations. But as you said, Jesse, a solid contributor on a terrible uh, Knicks team last year, but he can still fill it up. He can still get it done. I think that's the role he's going to play, a bench scorer and a mentor for the young Lakers here. So, yeah, Michael Beasley, I think you nailed it right there, Nick. Uh, he was the number two pick, Kansas State guy, Wildcat. I remember watching him in college. I'm like, this guy's going to be an absolute monster, you know? Um, and it just never really played out for that. But still, you know, in his NBA career, averaging um, like – you're, you're 13 and five essentially, which is what he averaged last year. So I think that's pretty much expected at this point going forward. And on the lighter note of that, uh, my favorite part on Basketball Reference sometimes is is really looking at their nicknames that they have listed for players because sometimes they're just out of control. I don't, never heard the player called by that in their entire career, um, and that's the same case for Michael Beasley there. So his nicknames on Basketball Reference are Be Easy. Walking Bucket, and Super Cool Bees. So I think for the rest of the year, I'll be referring to them as Super Cool Bees. Super Cool Bees, and I like Walking Bucket a lot as well. That's great. <laughs> That's and a good one. another side note on Michael Beasley. Uh, first of all, if you haven't watched the video of him and LeBron doing karaoke, you got to go watch that. If you haven't watched yep. the interview um, that he did where he was talking about how using 10% of your brain. Oh, it's magic. That is the funniest thing because he's like, well, who's the dude that – used 11% and he was like really really deep in his own conspiracy theory and uh, if you haven't watched that you need to go watch that as well and I'm, I'm pumped to have a guy 
who thinks that complex yeah, on well, our team. You got to know. You got to think he does uh, have some very deep thoughts and very deep conspiracy theories because you know he has smoked a lot of weed in his day. So uh, it is legal in California. So you know, hopefully he doesn't partake too much in that. Uh, again, he won't have to play that much. So maybe he can do a little bit of it and still help out the young guys. But Michael Beasley, the uh, completion of the meme team, uh, it is what it is. Uh, we have to accept it, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's, go ahead, that's the stigma there, Nick. I think those guys can be smoking and playing every day. It just depends on who you are, you know. Uh, yeah. As long as they're not drinking at the clubs, I think it's more so, basically. Yeah, as long as he can get buckets, as long as he remains a walking bucket, I have no issue with that. And uh, also, yeah, the favorite part of the nickname is not buckets, it's just walking bucket. Just one. One bucket. One bucket. Okay, yes. okay. well, that's fine. Hopefully he can get more than one bucket per game for the Lakers, but um, I'm sure LeBron won't be too upset, even if it's just one. Uh, because LeBron is going to do most of the scoring along with Kyle Kuzma. Uh, LeBron wishes Kyle Kuzma a a happy birthday on Twitter, which it's good to see LeBron kind of reaching out to the young Lakers now. He kind of shouted out Josh Hart for winning MVP last week and then now, you know, showing love to Kuzma here this week, and it's kind of good. I'm interested to see actually how uh, the young guys approach LeBron in their roasting battles that they have. Do you guys think LeBron is going to get roasted by, like, Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma, or do you think they're kind of lay back, respect the king, and not really go after him. I think that Braun is going to throw a jab somewhere because it's, it's the culture of this locker room. where and it's I think it's a great one where these guys just are throwing jabs at each other and sometimes it gets a lot. And, uh, you know, like to the point where someone's putting out a diss track, I don't know who that might have been. Um, but um, I think he's going to kind of be in that locker room and, and get the feel for it and then start throwing little little jabs here or there. It might start with, liking an Instagram comment of one of them ripping on the other. And then once he throws in and starts to jab, I think they'll jab back. Uh, Playful fun is always good. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, Kobe, obviously in his day, made a few rap songs. Shaq made a few rap songs. Is LeBron next? That's the real question. You know, Zoe's got the studio out there, and she know maybe time for that Bron feature. But I think that's the way, that's how it's going to happen, too. It's LeBron is going to throw that initial jab at someone, and then it's just going to be on. And, and I don't think LeBron is probably ready because he's not really that guy. Right, right. You <laughs> uh, look kind of like the, the biggest jab. Like, perfect example yesterday when he you know tweeted Kevin Love, you know, secure the bag, congrats on the new contract, no boo or Wally's on you. Um, that's that's about as, you know, not say he's not funny, but he's not like a crack-up dude. You know, he, he's going to got little, little things like that. And, He's just gonna say like one thing to to like you know to to Josh Hart or to Kuzma, and he's gonna get quote tweeted and roasted on Twitter. And, yeah, yeah and so I, you said it right there. I don't think LeBron really knows what's coming to him. I don't think LeBron really wants it because he's kind of an older guy. He's almost like the dad of this team in a way, and I, I don't think he really knows uh, what he's gonna get himself into when he tries to get himself into these roast battles with the young guys. And you know, you know, the moment LeBron uh, you know kind of class back at them, they're gonna go after him like. All, all at once, and it's not going to go well for LeBron, and he might just kind of have to accept that he's on a team with the young dudes now. See, I think yeah. you guys are both wrong. I think, I mean, his son is about to play in high school. He's got a young son who's just fully immersed in roast culture, and, like, I think that he knows exactly what's going to happen, and I think he's excited to get in there. I think he's going to ease himself in, but this is something that he knows what's going to happen, and he's. I think he's pumped. That's part of the reason. I honestly think, I mean, he wants to have these young guys. That's part of the reason that he signed. I think part of the reason is he does enjoy the chemistry that these guys have, and the chemistry is through these little roast sessions. And I think he knows exactly what he's getting into, and I think he's excited to be a part of it. Um, I'm not worried about him being blindsided by uh, the roasts when they occur. Yeah, and we'll we'll go to you know 
a similar topic, just on LeBron and Kobe, as I mentioned there. These murals, guys, I'm not in L.A. right now. Why are you not protecting these at all costs? Why are you letting these continue to be vandalized? This one was absurd. I, I, I didn't think – now. This, and this is also the one that made me just understand that these are just – just trolls. I don't even think this last one was a Laker fan, to be perfectly honest. Like this, this one was such a good mural. The one where he's looking up at all the Lakers of the past, um, even the forums in there. Like it's, it was so good that it was like, all right, well, this can't get vandalized. And of course, they found a way to only hit LeBron, whatever, whatever. But I, th- I don't think at this point. I think people are just doing it for attention, um, which is sad. But. I mean, it's back regular. Uh, the original artist went back, did it again, and then actually some Laker fans came and helped out however they could. Uh, so that was really good to see as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, to answer your question, Sully, we, we did let uh, you know you down there. We did not protect it as we should have because I think a lot of us thought, you know, nobody's going to vandalize another mural and one that has guys like Kobe, Shaq, Magic on there. But again, it did get vandalized, and it just goes to a bigger point, a conversation that I think we should have right now about, you know, are, why are Kobe fans or Laker fans uh, still hating on LeBron for choosing to come to their team, a team that has not made the playoffs in five years? And I think the only reason I can see is that it's just like old, old wounds from the time when Kobe and LeBron were competing to see who was the best player in the world. You know, like 10, that was like 10 years ago, though. And now, you know, Kobe's since retired. LeBron is, uh, you know, kind of moved on in his career as well. And now he's coming to kind of like close his career, uh, helping a team that's young to try and pick them up. Yet he still has the hatred um, amongst these fans here. And I don't really understand it because for me personally, I was one of those guys back in the day. I was, you know, the Kobe stan. I still am a Kobe stan, but I was one of those guys like, Kobe is always going to be better than LeBron. Hey, LeBron, I hope LeBron, you know, burns in hell and all that stuff, like when he joined the Heat. That was aggressive. Well, not I, I, that was exaggeration hyperbole, but, you know, I, I didn't like LeBron because I was a kid growing up. Um, but now it's like this is a dude who's accomplished so much and he's coming to help the Lakers out, and why can't the city just embrace him? Kobe's retired. Kobe had a wonderful career. Now it's time to embrace a new star. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't get it, but I, at the same time, do kind of get it. I think, you know, as you said before, these aren't basketball fans that are doing this. These aren't true Laker fans. These are like maybe Kobe Stans is giving him even too much credit. They're just people with a hatred for LeBron uh, that is, I just don't understand. You know, you look at, first off, on the court, like LeBron's play is unmatched by anyone in NBA history. The way he's carried teams, the, just his physical presence um, is is unbelievable, I think. And, and then off the court, you couldn't ask for a better human being, which the same thing can't be said about Kobe, so there's not really a point to be made there. Um, to me, it's just like jealousy. It's, it's uh, you know, it's like when your girls get hit on in the club. Like you either have the confidence to know that, that she's going to be fine or you got to go out there and freak out and try and start a fight and usually get your ass beat. So. <laughs> Well, one or two options there and you can either embrace it and know that everything's going to be alright and everything's for the best or you can be a baby about it and which is what the people are doing to the murals that's what it is I, it's these it's these guys that just like can't wrap their head around the fact that the competition there like, there was never like we never had a rivalry with LeBron like they never played the finals that's what I'm saying so it's like if, it was, if this was Paul Pierce yeah we have some issues but yeah. this isn't Paul Pierce. This is one of the greatest players of all time coming to a team 
and it's only going to help the young guys that we already have and those guys that these Kobe stands or these big Laker fans, quote-unquote, love, like the Kuzmas, it's only going to help them. So this is yeah. – it's absurd. And it's funny you mentioned Paul Pierce too because you literally have a guy from the Paul Pierce era Celtics on the team, and people seem to be more okay with that than they do with LeBron and Rajon Rondo. Yeah, right. If there's someone that has an issue – that would be the guy. He even answered it in his like first press conference. Like, I know we have a pass, but I'm here to do this and do that now. I just don't get how people are so worked up about LeBron and wouldn't be that way about Rondo. That just shows you the extent of knowledge that these people who choose to vandalize things and make a big deal about this have. Yeah, and another point, you know, these Laker fans should realize that LeBron is kind of emulating his career after one of their own, and that's Magic Johnson, you know, one of the best players in NBA history turned business mogul. And LeBron, I think, his move to L.A. is partly due to the fact that he wants to continue his business after playing, as has been well discussed. Um, so for a guy to understand that uh, he's looking up to a Laker legend, you know, he, he knows that Magic is the, the path that he wants to follow. And for Laker fans who are old and, you know, who may be attached to Kobe, may be attached to Magic, for them not to realize that LeBron is just trying to follow in the footsteps of a Laker who's already had success in that way, and as we said, never really had a rivalry with the Lakers during his career, it's just weird that they want to hate on him just be- just because I think he is a good player that was kind of battling for that number one spot with Kobe throughout their career, and even the smart Kobe fans and the smart Laker fans should know that LeBron is a better player, and we've, we've had this discussion, and you know, maybe some maybe some still don't agree with that, but... Um, at the very least, they're equal in their in their accomplishments. I personally think LeBron is a more accomplished player at this point. Um, Kobe's still my favorite player, and that's never going to change. But uh, for fans to just kind of trash LeBron for trying to help their team win a championship is just weird. Because do do these fans really think that a team without LeBron of these and these Lakers is going to win? Like the Brandon Ingram, is, you know, Lonzo Ball core is still way too young to compete for a championship. You know, who knows what they're going to progress like, but without LeBron, they were never going to win a championship even in the next, you know, two, three years. Yeah, it's shocking, but, you know, that is what it is, I guess. Um, so, just speaking of people trading places and, and crazy deals and things like that, uh, you know, I see here, I didn't see the exact figure until I logged on today, but Wade out for $25 million in China. They said they had a mega deal coming for him. Do you think there's any chance that he takes that? No. He doesn't need to, but that is a lot of money. And, you know, I don't know what they think of China and how they can have a lifestyle out there, him and Gabby, but, I mean, $25 million, that is a big, fat deal that he's not going to get in the NBA these days. If anything, his NBA career is probably winding down. I don't know if he has, even has two years left out here, but he would be a star in China, and it would be good for his brand. He is kind of a guy who's marketing like, a global brand as well. Um, he would be really popular out there, so it's kind of really up to him. But, no, I don't think he needs to, and I don't think he will. Not yeah, only – he doesn't need to – his wife is ridiculously accomplished and rich. Like, there's, they have zero reason to do this. Yeah, I just want to say, first off, Nick referred to Gary Union as Gabby because apparently they're close friends. I guess. Um, they're very strange to me. But, yeah, I would – if I was him, you know, unless he has some kind of incentive and he thinks he can join a team that's going to win a championship this year, uh, he is worshipped in China. He's, you know, along with Kobe, as we were just saying, is is probably one of their favorite players of all time. So twenty five mil to go for a couple months and do basically some tours. I don't see why that's such a bad deal. Obviously, it would be the end of his NBA career, but uh, I don't know if he's going to get that deal again. So that's just that's just money talk right there. And then obviously, like you said, neither of them need that. The family is uh, at this point, you know, pretty well endowed. But it is what it is. Um, and then moving, I guess, again internationally. 
uh, Kawhi passed his physical with the uh, Toronto Raptors there. Um, and at that same note, Danny Green apparently was playing with a torn groin the entire last season that the Spurs medical staff just uh, happened to miss. I don't know that's an injury that people normally miss, but they did. Uh, you guys have thoughts on that? It, it kind of just goes to show you why Kawhi didn't trust the Spurs doctors. You, you think, like, that was – a lot of people were saying, like, he might be going too hard on the Spurs doctors. Now we kind of understand. No, that's pretty – okay, yeah, that's fine. Don't I, – I wouldn't trust him either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this exactly. It's like this kind of just shows why Kawhi was kind of acting the way he was and kind of – leads a lot of people to believe that he was right in the whole situation and the Spurs were kind of the ones kind of messing with him. So good for Kawhi for just really going to Toronto, getting that physical and immediately saying, well, here you go, you guys. This is exactly what I was dealing with for this past year and this is why I wanted to get out of here. So good for him to kind of get some closure on that and kind of close the book on the Spurs. Um, and then just lastly, uh, you know, Dirk signed again with the Mavericks, $5 million one year. He's going to play a 21st NBA season, passing Kobe uh, 20 years for one franchise, which I'm happy about. Good for Dirk. Dirk's been one of my favorite players throughout his entire career, and you know he can't really uh, do much on the court except shoot these days, but it's good for him to kind of play another year because he likes to play basketball and the Mavericks are loyal to him and the Mavericks are not really going anywhere so why not give him another shot yeah I think this is that you know he's going to get that going away tour type uh, situation this year it would be hard to imagine him playing a 22nd year because the Mavericks you know they I think are an improved team but still they're in the west that's just so good so they got to hope that they can get someone in the uh, free agency you know uh, free-for-all next year um but yeah shout out Dirk I love Dirk he's one of my favorite players growing up uh you know I had the long hair like him when I was a kid. Had tried to do the fadeaway jumper, obviously not as successfully as he does. But uh, yeah, he's the man. And one of my favorite actually stories, just to really wrap up NBA, uh, yeah. broke yesterday, I believe, is that New Balance is uh, revamping their basketball department, which in itself hilarious. Um, <laughs> good luck. Second of all, their main target, exactly who you'd think it would be, Gordon Hayward. <laughs> Love that. Uh, it's so funny. It's like you know, they might as well just tack on like the Plumley brothers. They could get like the Lopez brothers. The Zellers. And, yeah, the, exactly. Like anyone, you know, Cotton Otten in Portland. Might as well just put every. <laughs> Is you know, Tyler Hansborough like, still in the league? Put Hansborough. He may be playing in Europe, but he could be there internationally. Just, <laughs> uh, it's absolutely hilarious that that's like in like. How do they not? How do they have so little feel for that? You know, like. How do they just not understand the running jokes online about their company all day, every day, and then go for a dude who's just absolutely, you know, white bread? And on top of that, Gordon already had that tough look this offseason when they saw the birth of his child, the third girl, and he was, let's say, less than excited about that's, that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, New Balance, hey, they're just shooting their shot. They're seeing these other uh, low-end, uh, lower, well-known uh, Shoe companies like Puma signing some big guys like Marvin Bagley and kind of making a name for themselves. So they're like, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's try to jump in the game here and uh, get after an NBA player. And so you know, I I don't I'm not mad at them for doing it, but of course, yeah, it's hilarious that they are trying for it here. Now the only difference too between New Balance and Puma is that Puma has Jay Z, so that that might be the one that's really attracting the Bagleys and the whoever's of the world. Yeah, they sent a couple of dudes from that, that first round there, which I thought was still pretty surprising. I think they, they got Aiton, didn't they? 
Yeah, they got eight and two. They haven't flipped any, you know, major players, which I think will be the next step that they really want to take yeah, it. Because those were yeah. the first people to be signed by Puma, right? The first basketball players, NBA players. Yeah. Yeah, Bagley and Aiden, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they do have Jay Z, but yeah, it was like, it was kind of like they saw these, they saw that company get these NBA players that had never had any NBA history. And so I guess they're just kind of feeling themselves, trying to shoot their shot in the moment where shoe companies are kind of getting players. So good for them, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, what a loser! Good! Good! More for me and you! And now, it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swine, what's on the menu? So, you know, uh, I, it was brought to my attention a while ago, Complex did a list of the 20 best items at Taco Bell. And, uh, you know, that's something that I would be very interested in. So we, we gave it a look, um, and it, it's, it's resurfaced a little bit here. And uh, I just want to talk about it a little because as someone who knows the Taco Bell menu very, very well, um, I do have some issues. Uh, we are going to post this list up for you so you can review it as well. Um, but I just want to uh, highlight a couple things here. Um, we talk about the cinnamon twist, which I've talked about before. The most overrated item in Taco Bell comes in at 13 I can give you 50 items better than the cinnamon twist on the Taco Bell menu. Just the beans are better. Yeah, like, yeah, just give me even the onions in the bean and cheese burrito, which no one likes. Still <laughs> better than the cinnamon twist. Um, number four, the seven-layer burrito. That's ridiculous. How are you going to give me the seven-layer burrito ahead of things like the cheesy gordita crunch, ahead of the cheesy fiesta potatoes, you know? Um, they did get it right at the very, very top, though. Um, one is the Crunchwrap Supreme. That's pretty much untouchable. Um, and then you have three, I believe, the Mexican pizza, which is another classic, classic Taco Bell play. But all of this talk from the Taco Bell list that Complex gave us made me think that I need to put out a real one. And so that's something that you guys should keep your eyes out for. Um, looking like next week, I'll have one ready for you guys because there's some egregious mistakes with this one. And I need to set the re uh, the record straight. That's good. Yeah, I remember we had another list that the Ringer put out uh, last year that, oh, that had was some issues horrific. with. And so I just want to say to our audience, you know, we have these lists that are floating around online from let's say Complex and the Ringer, and not to say we're going to throw them under the bus, but we're going to throw them under the bus. You don't want to look at those lists. You want to come over here to the fast food flavor segment at Cautiously Optimistic to get your true fast food flavor needs and questions, all of them answered. Jesse, the divine swine, he will give you what you need to know. And I don't want you to look at any other lists. Uh, and as, he, as, as Jesse said, he's coming out with a list soon, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and just a quick note, Jesse, you tweeted about this thing where you tweeted on the page, the tiny kitchen uh, oh, yeah. crunch. Uh, that was fantastic. It was adorable. It was, it was incredible. Like I, I usually enjoy uh, large meals, but I would just scrumption, scrumptiously eat that up. And I just made up a word because um, it doesn't exist. Yeah, there it, you go. It does now. It does now, and that's the word that you should be using when you refer to anything at fast food flavor that you want to. Scrumptiously. Uh, there you go. Scrumptiously. <laughs> fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. All right, and now we come to the end of the show, unfortunately, with our super hot, interesting takes and shout-outs. Got a few of them for today, some small, some big, whatever you want to call it, but we're going to toss it over to Nick first with a little take action. 
Yeah, I have a small take. It's something I've been noticing again on social media. I've had a lot of social media takes over the years, uh, especially last year was one that has kind of come full circle where I really didn't like boomerangs, and I, I, I will say I use them now. So, you know, I accept that. I accept that I've come around on a, t a previous take. Um, you know, I may come around on this one, but I, I don't know. Something I've been noticing on Instagram uh, or whatever social media platform you want to use, when people send a picture of what they're listening to without the actual song playing is one of the dumbest things that I really just don't like. It's a pet peeve of mine. It's like either play the song so we can hear what you're listening to. And I know Instagram has installed a feature where you can do that, but don't give me a picture of your iTunes screen of what you're listening to without any music coming out of it. It's pointless. I don't know. I don't care. If you want me to care, play some music into my ears. And that's my take. This is something that I 100% do. Um, so I'm taking offense to this personally. Um, the personal attack on the podcast. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly disagree. I think it's nice. Like, you know, I was listening to the Drake album, my first favorite one that I was like, that wasn't a hit. Boom. Let the people know this is a song you should be listening to. All right? And, and that's the thing is that why would, like, most times I have the sound off and I'm checking stories. I don't want to have music blasted into my ears without me knowing. You know, I don't need to have that come out as a secret there. Um, and as you said, Nick, there's a feature now for it. So why would we post ourselves listening to music when, uh, you know, there's something that can just do it for us now? Well, give us, you, give you, us the song title and that's it. Maybe it's something I'm willing to check out. Do a little research on your own. I feel like you've got to be given everything. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, use the feature. There's a feature, so use it so you can play the music. I, I, don't, mind if you sh I don't mind if you send me music on the story. I don't want to just see the name of a song, though. I want to hear what you're listening to. Yeah, I think that's wrong, but we'll uh, uh, yeah. we'll go to Jesse. I agree with that. I, I, before I do my take, I just want to say when he said that I have a small take, I was a little worried because those are usually bad. And then he said a small social media take, and I was like, oh, this, I was preparing myself fully yeah. for, a, for a tough take. And lo and behold, that's what we got. I do want to say one thing before you go to your thing, Jesse. Yeah, go for uh, it. I'm here. I, I actually didn't even realize that you do this. I, I hadn't really noticed you doing it too much. So I don't I, do it a lot, but I do do it. This wasn't a, an attack on you. I It was nothing that I noticed from you. This is from other people, so I just want to clear the air. Yeah, yeah no, I wasn't. I never thought it was a personal, um, but, uh, you know, I mean. It's a personal attack on me, then? <laughs> Um, again, Sully, I don't really see you do it too often. Maybe this is just something I see certain people do way too often. If you do it every once in a while, I'll let it slide. It's, it's you know, everybody makes mistakes, but uh, just don't do it consistently. I really like you to name drop there, but I understand that you can't. Yeah, I probably can't do that. Yeah, now that I hear this, I think I'm actually going to do it once, like, every other day now. Uh, specifically <laughs> for you, Nick. Wonderful. Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and say mine. I think we should have ended with that one, because right, this one is more of a, I don't know, it, it, I think you guys are going to appreciate it, and I think you guys are going to agree with me here. Um, since Manny Machado has come to the Dodgers, everybody's saying it's Manny Wood 2.0, Manny Wood 2.0, right? I think it's a trash, trash little uh, nickname. What is it? First of all, Manny Wood was Manny Wood. Made sense because it was out in left field, too. Um, Manny Wood 2.0 can't be like the middle of the shortstop. Like, that's just, that's just not anything. And there's a much, much better nickname just sitting in the wings, right? Machavez Ravine. Yeah. <laughs> Manny Machavez Ravine. It's wow. perfect. It's way better than Manny Wood 2.0. Um, they're so different. I, I'm not a supporter of Manny Wood 2.0. Machavez, Machavez Ravine. Machavez Ravine. Okay. Yeah, I am 100% with you, Just I do not like the Manny Wood 2.0. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's so overblown at this point that you, there's not much that can be done about it. Um, but yeah, Machavez Ravine is much better. 
I even go for like Machadoville. I could care less, like anything but Manny Wood 2.0, because Manny is such a unique Manny in reference to the original Manny. Um, the Manny, when you say Manny, the one I still think of. Yes. Um, it's Manny Ramirez is is an enigma in baseball, and it should be treated as such. These, these things can't be repeated, can't be done twice. He's Manny. It's Manny being Manny. There's no Manny 2.0. Manny got to that, I think. I mean, he. I don't know if he, I, I would still say he's there, but Manny did get to a point, like when he was playing, of the the single name. Like, not yeah. many guys get there. I mean, you have your Kobe, you have LeBron. Um, Manny Absolutely. was Manny. And I, like you said, when I hear the word Manny, I don't think of Manny Machado. I don't think of any other Manny. I think of Manny Ramirez. Yeah. Well, I'm guilty, you guys. I apologize. I was lazy with it, and I did a lot of our marketing for our last episode using the Manny Wood term, so I didn't know you guys felt so strongly about it. That's my fault. I will take the blame, and I will uh, try and move towards uh, Machavez Ravine. Machavez Ravine is what I'm going to push. Still, still still learning how to say it, but I do appreciate it. Uh, that's It's literally just Chavez Ravine Machavez, with a mud in front. Machavez Ravine. Yeah. I like it, and uh, I think that's a good take. Thank you. Yeah, um, and maybe next time we go to Machado's Ravine, you can have a Machado Lotto, you know? Mm, yeah, wow, I like that. Yeah. There's there's tons of options out there, just to let you know. Tons um, of options. Yeah. Uh, another one of those options would be Lucky Boy, who is back with Cautiously Optimistic. Yes. We have to give them another mention here at the end of the podcast because we are very excited to renew a wonderful, beautiful partnership with them um go get some lucky boy it, it is about lunchtime we are recording uh, right now just before noon so you know who knows maybe we'll go stop by and uh, get a burrito ourselves you already know where i'm going after this so anybody who wants to join me is always welcome uh if you're listening to this and you need some lunch go to lucky boy i will probably be there because i kind of live there yeah, and I would say you guys still owe me a, a fresh frozen burrito and sent out to me something waiting on that um but who knows where you're going to be sending it? Yeah, we're going to se- we'll send you one. Uh, we're just going to have to get that address. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe next week I'll tell you my address then. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I'm curious to hear uh, what your address might be next week. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'll let you know when I know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, now you know that that was episode 74 of Cautiously Optimistic. Thank you again so much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter like us on Instagram other way around whatever it is Facebook all the good stuff Zanga MySpace um, listen to our mixtape um, do all of it because we are on yeah. SoundCloud yeah. so we do have the mixtape there as well Podcasters. thanks again for listening to Cautiously Optimistic episode 74 Kenley Jansen we're closing it down now just like Kenley closes all of the if we beat the wrong one we could rejump the broom if we beat the wrong one baby we jump the, 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 the broom I'm ready